Welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 150 here. Altai, joined this week by the one, uh, the only, Remo. Yeah. I was just appreciating the ASMR voice before I, I said anything. All right. Hey, you really should do the Korean ASMR. Maybe maybe it'll be your your passion in life. Yeah, I, 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 true. You know, we gotta we gotta. I, look, here's the thing. If you guys don't support my ASMR, it proves it's sexual. Okay. Therefore, if you're an ASMR fan in chat, you have to give me money when I do it. Otherwise, you prove me right. There you go. There you go. If you don't want to be a hater, you gotta do it. You gotta reverse psychology then. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think too many people are afraid to like try putting themselves out there. Whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's Twitch streaming. You know, even if you get nobody watching you, even if you, you know, it doesn't go anywhere, it's, it's always good to put yourself out there. You never know. You might be the next big thing. You know, it's, it could be a fluke. It could be anything. And who knows? Maybe your, Alta, your ASMR could be this amazing phenomena. That so, would actually be I, weird because I hate it so much that if I'm big, if I get big at it, I'll be like, I don't know. It'd be like trolling. Okay, I would just okay. be trolling. We could make a troll ASMR. We're going to put it on the MLS.com YouTube channel. If nobody likes it, nobody likes it. Who cares? You know, legit, Alta, you, you, have, you have a task, all right? right somebody, couple weeks. Somebody find me a script. Someone find me a script to do in post game or something. No, 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 no. You gotta make your own script. It's gotta come oh from the soul. God. Just do it without a script, right? Do it without a script, and just you might go on some crazy like Jew conspiracy, whatever you gotta do. Uh, whoa, you know. right, whoa, we'll whoa, okay. And just, just, just go with it. All right, speak your soul out. Altai ASMR coming. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna happen, boys. The, it's gonna the, happen. The propaganda of the future is gonna be an ASMR voice. You know, like the next Goebbels will be like. We must bomb the Jews. <laughs> I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> it's going to be in uh, an ASMR voice, though. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Before we get too off topic, Altai, take us to the weekly raid. All right. So this week, as many of you may or may not know, Worlds Adrift has finally gone on Steam. Steam Early Access uh, launch, and they're doing a lot of media blitzing. Um, so they were on a, a whole bunch of interviews. I preferred the I read the one on the games industry biz, which I recommend. It's a really good interview, and they did basically talk about how they rely on their uh, users to create um, all the islands in the game. So I didn't even know this until I read this. Did you, I don't know if you did. Mm-hmm. So all the islands yeah. in the game are actually created on this uh, a tool you you know made available with the game uh, called the World Adrift Island Tool, and uh, basically every island you can visit is made by players. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. But like, it, it, uh, what's crazy is that we don't see this kind of technology, this kind of user-created content applied elsewhere. I played uh, World of Jets quite a bit when it first launched. This was like over two years ago now. So like, it just launched in early access. I guess it was like an alpha before. But like, that's a game that, like, yeah, they should make the content made by players. They should make those islands made by players. It would just spice the game up a lot. There's no reason to do, do that themselves. Well, I was just surprised by the level of it, like the the amount of user-generated content. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering this week then, so here's a weekly raid. Can user-generated content work in MMOs? It's worked wonders in so many genres, right? Like, entire genres were born with, with like, user-created content. Counter-Strike was a mod. Uh, you know, Dota was a mod. Battle Royale was a mod. And, you know, we, we all grew up playing a lot of those Warcraft 3 mods, StarCraft maps. And uh, it hasn't really taken off in the same way for the MMO genre. You had a few games try it. Like, uh, if you guys played Minecraft... Notch, the guy who made Minecraft, before that, he worked on a game called Worm Online, which is a super interesting MMORPG where you can basically you know, alter the world, build your own house and stuff. But it, it never really took off. It was too complicated, too slow. Uh, it didn't really work that well. It's still around, though. You can try it, but it just doesn't have a big player base. You had games like EverQuest Next, Landmark, uh, kind of with the same thing, where Landmark was supposed to be... never really launched, though. Those exactly, exactly. Really well, Landmark was like an early beta access something, but it never really took off. That's my point. Uh... So, even things like add-ons. Do you remember when WoW came out? We had so many add-ons. 
We could we could mm-hmm. change entire UI. Anything was possible with the UI within a while. Uh, you could have databases of items. You could have like the things that scrape the auction house and update you in built in a built in. And that was back in two thousand four. Since then, I feel like even the add-ons have retreated. So many games now, like Final Fantasy fourteen, for example, just flat out don't allow any add-ons. They're just like they're banned if you use those shit. So wait, they're they're against the terms of service, so it kind of discourages it on a larger like level. Yeah, everyone still uses them. Like people like some of the big Final Fantasy fourteen streamers do stream with ACT and a few other plugins installed. So it's like it's not allowed, which is kind of sad because obviously when something's not allowed, even if it's unenforced, not allowed, it does discourage it. Yeah, definitely. All right. My point is, uh, it's under the tree tree, despite being so prevalent back in two thousand and four with WoW. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be fair, there are some games, more modern games, that do allow it. For example, up oh, another sub. Thank you, Leaf. Thank you, Leaf. Mucho love. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, some games do uh, allow it. Like Elder Scrolls Online has uh, some heavy add-ons, uh, but again, nothing to the scale of even WoW, uh, which was from two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, the things are turning around a little bit, and we talked a lot about MapleStory two in the past uh, few weeks. As we, you, know, you guys have seen the screenshots, there's a lot of player-made uh, housing, uh, custom designs for your shirts and equipment. Uh, and, of course, World of Drift, we just mentioned, with the islands. So, Omar, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Will will uh, user-created content finally work in MMOs? Uh, I think it has to work. It's not even the definition of if it, has will, to? If it will work. It has to work because that, that's really the like, next logical step towards doing something different than MMORPGs. Because I think over the years, we've kind of seen so many companies, like even Western companies, kind of throw money at the MMO genre. Nothing's really stuck like super hard on the PC front. We've had a lot of mobile games do really well, but like there hasn't really been any big innovation on like PC MMORPGs since you know like basically World of Warcraft. I mean, ESO has found some success because maybe the Elder Scrolls game is very strong. It's still a good game, but there really hasn't been anything big. And I think in order to get something big, you have to do something like radically different. And I think PUBG being super successful once again brought the success of mods and like player like the like, how much modding can improve like can can contribute to gaming. I think what's his name? Brandon Green was on the H3H3 podcast talking about modding and how he started with the Arma mod for Battle Royale and how that's progressed. And, and we, we've seen so many literal billion dollar genres come out of like mods. So it'd be crazy for, for MMORPGs to kind of ignore this going forward because th- there's nothing else left to try. You know, they got to do something different. And it just it's it's pretty phenomenal to see that we haven't seen an MMORPG being built with player created content yet. I mean, Minecraft. Which is not really an MMO, but like Minecraft has done so well with basically players create everything. We have seen some attempts with Neverwinter, and I think it actually did a really good job because some oh. of my mo- I played Neverwinter to max level. You're by right. The way, when it first came out, and, and some, of my, some of my most fond memories in Neverwinter are not from the game's regular story. Which, by the way, the game's regular story is quite good. It has a for- it's it's written by one of the guys of the Forgotten Realms. There's like real D and D lore built into Neverwinter. It's actually definitely one of the better storytelling uh, games out there for MMORPGs considering most story-driven MMORPGs suck. That's one of the better ones out there. But some of my most fond memories from Neverwinter were from the, I forgot what it's called now. The, 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 there are there are there's dungeons and stories that players can create that you can run through in these instance areas. It's like in its own area though, so it's like not part of the game world directly. It's kind of you zone into it, and then from there you take on a player made uh, story, player made dungeon. And, and some of these are st- they're still in the game today. And th- that's my most fond memories come from from that part of the game where players made this content. It was it's unfortunate that I guess they didn't build it out more and that didn't become the focus of the game. But I think that, that that's actually still a really interesting step. And, and if you, if you, you know, I recommend giving Neverwinter a try even today just for that alone. Just, just to see where that can take you. And just see some of the player-made levels and see what, you know, what came out of it. I think it's a huge positive. It's just kind of sad that we haven't seen any of the game even try that since then. But I, it's got to happen. I think Neverwinter is a great game 
a try anyway. If you haven't tried it yet, it's a it's a great free mm-hmm. as far, as far as free to play MMORPGs go, it's it's you know it's a really good one. So definitely try that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cass should mention Roblox is a sleeper. I mean, again, it's a game we don't really talk too much about. Roblox is one of the highest grossing uh, like video games in the world, and it, the entire game of Roblox is there like a is there a Roblox created by like company that made Roblox? Is it, or is everything just mini games made by the people? I think it's, I think everything in Roblox is literally just the developers give tools for players to create content, whether it's like FPS games, whether it's like battle royale games, whether it's party games, whether it's RPGs. They're the tools given by the developer, and players create stuff out of it. And we've we've seen magical things happen out of Roblox. I mean, oh, yeah. This is this is this is definitely like it's worked in so many genres, right? It's worked across platforms. We just have to see in MMORPGs. And what's crazy, MMORPGs seem like such a logical like place to tap your user base because you all have you know you all exist in the shared world. And we, we, we there's a there's a game coming out, a relatively new game. Uh, I forget what it's called now. It's a sci-fi game coming out. Oh, Dual Universe. Do Dual Universe. Dual Universe is trying it. We have that Korean game trying it as well. What was it called again? The anime look looks really cool. Uh, Period. Probably never gonna happen. Though. Yeah, Period Chronicles. And that's one of the reasons I was hyper Period Chronicles. Like they're they're talking about user created content. I mean, literally everything like has moved from developers making everything to outsourcing some of it to its own players. And World of Drift is doing this with its islands, which is remarkably smart. And we've just seen how successful mods have become. And there's player made stuff. Just there's so much untapped creativity. It just seems really crazy that like why should because a game company only has so many resources, right? They can only create so much content on their own. Like, why not just tap your most loyal fans to make content for I, you? Like, especially like the the, the the sheer amount of fan art out there for like any big game kind of tells you that too. Like, these there are professional artists that go out of their way to just create content for games that they love. Like, they spend tens of hours making beautiful artwork for games they like for no pay, just for fun to share with the community. Like, they have so much creative energy. This is this is not this is skilled creative energy. That they would just love to pour into their own game, in a game they love, but there's no means to do so. But I think the issue is not. I don't think people would disagree with you more on the how how, mm-hmm. how good it is, like or how great of an idea it is. The problem is execution, because remember, like I said, it's been tried with things like EverQuest, Next, Landmark, uh, Worm Online. The issue is making it work fluidly in the MMORPG genre. And you say, uh, you know, people playing a persistent world, but I think that that is a tr- that is that makes it harder. I think the fact that you have to make user created content seamlessly into the same world and everyone can just you know navigate around and see it i think that's a huge hurdle it's easier when it's segmented like roblox where you know each world is like its own little mini game and you kind of have this browser window to jump between them right so i so i don't think the issue i don't think anyone would disagree with what you said in terms of you know how much how much we need it and how great it is and how everyone loves it the issue is doing it no do i get but, but look at the like you can still segment it quite a bit because, like, if you look at raids in World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, they do exist in segmented instances, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't we seeing player-made boss fights? You know, like, but the, the thing is, because I don't think there are no tools to do it. That's why like, oh, there's no okay. way for the to script a boss fight into Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft. And like, obviously, it'd be open to abuse for like, you know, um, the problem is you, if you get loot for it, it would like break the game's mechanics, and it's not designed around that, right? So it requires mm-hmm. a lot of out-of-the-box thinking. And ways that you have to design it so like you can't get rewards for doing it. Otherwise, it'd be like besides maybe achievements and maybe like your own profile will like list all the achievements you have, like which which player made maps you've completed, right? Like stuff like that would be awesome. I mean, we've even seen like Mario Maker, right? Like a Nintendo game where players create their own Mario levels. Like it's been a big, pretty big hit. And, and just just having that on like an MMORPG scale where you can design dungeons, maybe five player dungeons, ten player dungeons, or even raids. The rewards can be just achievements or just just status symbols like in your profile that you've completed this dungeon and you can like leave reviews and stuff 
that in and of itself would create, I think, an amazing atmosphere for a game and give you a reason to keep coming back. For example, like I have not been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV lately. I've been playing very little. And the main reason is because I basically cleared all the raid content, that, you know, besides the ultimate tier, which I've worked on recently, but my group kind of sucked. But beyond that, I've completed all the raid tiers. Like, there's really not much else for me to do. Like, I, I, I actually loved both in, the, in all the raid tiers of Final Fantasy I've played. I really loved logging in and throwing myself at a raid for like eight hours a day, trying to like find a group to do it, trying to learn the mechanics, trying to master the mechanics, right? It was a lot of fun. But you, after, after you complete all that, there's not much more to do. You can still collect like glamours, which is kind of you do that once in a while with your friends. You kind of level up an alternative class, which you can do. But I don't see myself throwing myself at the game for like ten hours of the day until new raids come out. But if there was this constant flow of raids, like, and it's not even about the rewards. Honestly, getting that piece of gear doesn't really matter. I, I really never cared about getting my best in slot gear. I am currently best in slot in the game, but like that stuff never really mattered. It was the challenge of beating the boss and that process of learning through death and through the mechanics and figuring it out made it was its own reward. And if you have, if you open the door to player created raids and dungeons, I think it would bring player. It, it would be amazing for the game because not just on the super high end, it would create a lot of intermediate content, which actually the game really lacks. A lot of people are complaining actually in Final Fantasy XIV that there is nothing in between Savage and the, basically you have really brain dead easy content. Even the casuals recognize it's brain dead easy, right? There's nothing in between brain dead easy and and and, and the hardest content in the game, the Savage content. There's really nothing in between. Whereas World of Warcraft does have something in between, and, and Final Fantasy doesn't. Do you? Okay, here's a question. The gap. I got a question. Uh, does Final Fantasy XIV have private servers? Uh, no, there are no private servers. Because oh, I want to say, as far as WoW is concerned, you're seeing a lot of creativity in the in the private server scene. So I know we, I exactly, mentioned this, yeah. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I, I'll play the trailer here. Basically, there's a server called Ascension for World of Warcraft, a private server, and they have a, they've totally overhauled like the whole like gameplay mechanics. There's it's, there's no classes. You you make a character and you're classless, and then as you level, you open this menu. I'll try to find the menu, and you basically select. Um, from all the different skills, from all the different classes, so you can create you create a custom uh, character at the end. You know, you can you can be like a stealth. You can stealth and cast a frostbolt, I guess. You know, <laughs> out, of, out of stealth. Uh, so you a lot of choose your abilities. Yeah, you choose your abilities as you level, and uh, you know it's got open. There's a lot of full loot, isn't there? Open world PP with like loot options. If you kill somebody, you, you, you kill someone. Yeah, you get, yeah, one piece of gear will drop on them. So that's pretty cool. So just playing with the existing server rules with private servers has already opened a lot of doors to like creativity in World of Warcraft. And this kind of exists in the in a black market of like illegality. And the problem is when this stuff is illegal, which while private servers do get shut down. Yeah. And even despite them getting shut down, we see like creative endeavors like this. So like people are working and pouring their hearts into making these, you know, custom rule servers with custom content and art assets, knowing full well that it's gonna be very difficult to monetize. And it might just get shut down from Blizzard. Like this happens despite that. If this is brought into the fold of legality and it was kind of sanctioned by Blizzard or Final Fantasy in this case, or any, if it was within the game itself and it was sanctioned, I think it would be a thriving marketplace of interesting dungeons and everything else. Like again, Roblox, there are people that create the mini games and maps for for Roblox. And they make they make a living doing it. Wait, and if, there are so many people that love these World of Warcraft, that World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, they would do the same thing. If I was Blizzard, instead of shutting down a, a, you know, a private server like this, I would call them, get all their programmers and their head people to work for Blizzard, and launch a, a server like a classless PvP server alongside all my other you know servers, and just give my you know users more choice, and then that will bring in more money. And it could yeah, be a split. Saying, last yeah. time, like, yeah. have, have a realm list. When you log into World of Warcraft, you see all the, you can see all the official Blizzard realms, right, from the realm list, and have like a custom one, like a like a workshop in Steam, you know, like a custom realm list where all the player created servers exist there as well. And mm-hmm. and you know, if you click on those, you might be saying, warning: these, these are not official Blizzard servers. You know, these are just, we make it easy to access these, but these are not. You know, like we don't run these servers ourselves. 
but you know, maybe they get a cut of all the revenue. Maybe they get like Blizzard gets fifty percent of the revenue. The developer gets the other half. And th there's a nice warning message right there. They're saying, you know, we, you know, we don't recommend you playing these if you're a new player. These are for like well, whatever you whatever warning you want to put out there. But I think that would just, that would just make the player base like more, give them more choices, and be a win-win for everyone. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And someone Chad just mentioned too. So World of Drift uh, will be the first game using the new spatial OS engine we've been hearing about for a while now. Uh, mm -hmm. So we can actually. I know during the alpha that you played, it was a laggy mess, right? It was a hot laggy mess, yes. Yeah. So now they're on Steam. Ago, yeah, exactly. Now they're on Steam. Still early access, but being on Steam means at least there's a certain level of expectation of quality. I, so, I think it was on Steam when I played, too. Let me check my list. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. I think I'm pretty sure it was uh, that they just launched on Steam because uh, if you go to the Steam page... No, you're right, you're right, you're right. It shows, it shows tomorrow is the launch, and you can pre-buy now for a 10% discount. It was called World of Drift Alpha on Steam. It was on oh. Steam. I played for six hours, but yeah. Mm -hmm. It was back in uh, January uh, of 2017, so it's been over a year since since I played. Uh, right? I mean, you know, we see World Drift applying. It doesn't have to go full, like, completely this way either. I mean, maybe designing raids and dungeons is, like, maybe a bit much. But the way MapleStory 2 is handling it with just the, with the game's cosmetics, I think it's really smart, too. Just, you know, let players import their own models to the game. It's almost like the, the Steam Workshop for CSGO and Dota 2 where players make the cosmetics. And having a similar system in MapleStory 2, I think it's pretty genius. You know, it's limiting it to non-gameplay stuff, which is, is a good starting place. But I think right. ideally, I think the perfect MMORPG will have basically the developer making the tools for players to create all the content. And that would be ideal. And I think you can, you can, you can implement this in, in existing games as well. Obviously, it is a you know, very difficult challenge. But I think this is what's going to make take MMORPGs to the next level, where this might be the next wild killer. This might be the next big thing in MMORPGs. Like, look, I'm looking forward to Bless a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play it, but like, it's not going to be the next big thing. I'm sorry. It's, it just, it's, it's not going to be this amazing game. It'll be a fun game, but it's not going to come close to WoW. It's, 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 I, I would bet my life that's not going to happen. But you know, maybe it's a game that does the ideas we talked about might. And to, to trash on FF14 a little more before we move on, uh, again, it doesn't have to be something as big as everything being user-created, but I think yeah. the games that kind of have an open mentality towards user-created content are the ones that are going to at least experiment and lead to good things. Uh, and a studio like you know, Square Enix, where the official stance they take on just add-ons, right? It really shows that they're not open to this at all. You know, it's, they are they are very close-minded when it comes to this kind of stuff. So we're not going to see it from too. them. Yeah, it, it, it's a, I think it's so, what's very important is uh, the mentality, because then you can kind of project to the future what's going to happen. And it's not, yeah. it's not going to happen with Square Enix. Iantex uh, made a good point too. It's still risky you think to let people upload everything without approval. And and that's actually what surprised me the most about MapleStory 2, that you could upload anything without approval. It was basically automatically approved and you get reported if you did something bad by other players. Why, why is that risky? Look at YouTube. We could upload anything to that's YouTube true. and then yeah. we'll get removed if it's, if it's you know, against their that's policy. True. But but it'll be up there until somebody reports it or something. So I don't. I, I think they're playing it too safe. This, I mean... You know, YouTube got away with it for years, and it's it's still getting away with it. You can upload anything you want to YouTube. I bet right now I can find porn on YouTube. I'm not going to because I don't get banned. But uh, I bet if you go on, you just go on YouTube right now and search, you know, some porn terms, and then sort by most recent upload. And I bet you'll find porn right now. Yeah, I mean, I remember when they were deleting videos on Tide Pods. The kids eating Tide Pods. <laughs> I Google Tide Pods, and I, and I, I sort by newest upload, right? And I found a video that was actually like 30 minutes old, right? And it was actually this 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 kid eating a Tide Pod. Wow. It was like a legit like video. It was like because there were a lot of fake videos too. Where people like go to eat and they, they throw it out. Haha, you know I'm not actually doing it. Like this kid actually like ate a Tide Pod. I'm, like, oh, I'm just rolling my eyes. And the only thing I really think about was like obviously this video will get removed because YouTube isn't actively banning those. Mm -hmm. But like this kid looked like the kind of kid that would eat a Tide Pod. Like he fit that look perfectly, which is a pretty silly thing to say. But yeah, it was. 
<laughs> was he a young fat kid with spiky hair? He, he was like a young, like edgy fat kid. Yeah. All right. I know. I, I know the type. You know the type. But um, the companies like Blizzard and Square is kind of this weird approach. Like Blizzard, for example, like by default, like in Hearthstone, you can't even talk to your opponent, right? So mm-hmm. with a company like that, do you think it's even possible for them to like do the kind of things we're talking about? Like, there's no, ch- you can't do. There's no all chat in uh, in Heroes of the Storm. You know, there's literally no chat in Hearthstone, and in Final Fantasy 14 in PvP, there's literally no way to communicate. Like we do group PvP, you can only communicate with like these four commands. Like, come over here, I need healing. You know, whatever. Like, some, you can't. I guess they're so afraid of toxicity that they they handle like like that, and that kind of you know pigeonholes them into like not doing this kind of content. You know, it, I, it makes their thing a bit more narrow. I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt from StarCraft 2 because there are custom games. But then again, StarCraft 2 is like one of their is probably their oldest in the recent list of games they have, right? Like mm-hmm. Blizzard. So mm-hmm. maybe things have changed at Blizzard since you know the good old days. And like you said, all their newer games like Hots and Hearthstone and Overwatch even, right, doesn't really allow uh, too much you know customization or modding or add-ons or anything. I think actually the the company that has the best chance of doing this might be Valve because Valve has like the most. Um, they, they do embrace modding quite a bit, whether it's through CSGO or Dota 2, where the Steam Workshop plays a pretty big role in like, oh, what you yeah, can do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did show off that Toho Anime Battle Arena game for Dota 2, and it's just pretty amazing what you can do in that. And what's remarkable is there are, a lot, there, there are these RPGs built into Dota 2 as well, these really weird, like intricate RPGs. Mostly Chinese companies do this. They're, they're made by Chinese developers, because Dota 2 is really popular in China. So these games are in complete Chinese, so, but I, I played one of them. It was one of the popular RPGs. If It was like an MMORPG built into Dota 2. So I guess you could like... There was like a legit character creator. There was like stat points. There was inventory system. There was quests. It was a massive world. And there was even a cash shop. Like you could, you could buy like in-game like gotcha cash shop <laughs> in, in, in a custom Dota 2 map. And on Toxicity, Toxicity Front 2, I think Valve is the most like hands-off. Whereas companies like uh, Square Enix... Uh, World of uh, Blizzard are really actively going after toxicity. I think Smite announced this week that they banned like twenty thousand players for toxic behavior over the last like few months. It's just pretty insane. Like, they're they're going full out on anti toxicity, right? But Valve is like the most chill approach. I don't think you get banned. In, I, I'm pretty. I I'm actually very confident that you will never get banned in Dota Two for toxicity. Just being being mean. Because I was playing Dota Two for the last two weeks, like somewhat regularly, and I would just look at the chat. Right? There's like a general <laughs> chat while you're in queue for like Matt. These giant chat rooms, with everybody, and people just spam me the N word. Like not, not one guy, not ten. Like literally, there's walls of N word flying while I'm queuing up for Dota. I'm thinking like, like these guys have like thousands of hours in the Dota 2 account. These aren't fresh accounts. Yeah. These are these are seasoned veterans who've been playing Dota 2 for like five thousand plus hours, and they feel comfortable spamming the N word over and over again on a public channel. Like you could never do that in in, in, in Overwatch, in or World League, of Warcraft, yeah, yeah, yeah. or League. Like you would just get banned instantly. They they have this approach. That they don't. They don't seem to care or enforce anti-toxicity. Or if they want to enforce this stuff, they do like like AI like, or rules-based systems where like it's a very hands-off approach. Even if you feed games, you I don't think you'll ever get you I don't think you can ever get banned. Well think in, about in, it. I never got banned and when I used to play, so Yeah, but there is no mechanism for, for banning you unless you cheat. The only only way you can ever get banned from a Valve game is through the anti-cheat system. It's if it, if it, if it automatically detects your cheating that bans you. But I think Valve could be the company that could do this because uh speaking of money, it fits into our discussion. This week, I played a custom CSGO map where I, I, my, my buddy brought up, I didn't know you could do this in CSGO. It's basically an action-adventure puzzle game. There are some shooting mechanics, there's a lot of puzzle mechanics, and there's a story in CSGO. It's a custom map, that, and it's a trilogy. It's a three-part trilogy, and every single one gets better along the way because the guy who made the map gets better at making maps. 
But the third one was particularly impressive because it's almost like Undertale, where sometimes in the game, like you, you talk to an NPC and like you get to a part of the story where like you have multiple choices on what you want to do. And you could say you, like every player votes on what option you want to say to the NPC. And whichever one like the most people pick, your character says that to the character in front of you. And sometimes it kind of determines which ending you get in the game. Like at the end of the game, you can like choose to kill this guy or like save him. And, like different things will happen at the end based on what what, you know, what the player made a choice. And this is this is CS:GO. And there, there's puzzle mechanics in CS:GO. It's a two-hour map of co-op game, and there are there are skill points. You level up. There are there's an inventory system where you can like you, there's a lockpicking system. This is all in CS:GO where people are making these amazing maps. Like I, I didn't know this was even possible until I played this map. So it's it, it, we're seeing Valve embrace like giving players the tools to make some pretty crazy stuff. We've seen it in Dota 2. We've seen it in CS:GO. And even though it, it's been kind of a half-hearted effort. That one Dota 2 map, the Toho Dream Battle, it had 24,000 players currently playing it. That's huge! That's like 10% of Dota 2's peak player base in any given day is playing a custom map. What, what would that be on the Steam Top 10 uh, if it was an independent game? It would be on the like, Top 20, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's see, 24,000 would put it... It'd be a Top 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty Gary's funny. Gary's mod is number 14 with 22,000 and Stardew Valley is at 24,000. So it'd be on that Top 15 list as a mod for Dota 2. That's insane. Speaking of mods, I'm, I've been playing uh, Terraria, as you guys know, and uh, we were actually playing a modded uh, version called Thorium, and that's a whole bunch of stuff, you know, new bosses, new equipment, new items, and, you know, like, you, uh, I had the same uh, first reaction as you had with this Counter-Strike map. I was so surprised mm-hmm. that players basically do- almost double the size of the game, and integrates, it works so well, you know, it's not, how well they integrated is what really amazed me. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's basically added another, I want to say, like, 100 hours of gameplay to this, you know, t- game I bought for ten bucks like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Quality. But I, just just playing that map is was astounding, and it's. I'm really hoping and more PGs kind of um, run with this. I'm really. I, I think Maple Story Two will do really well with their uh, custom, you know, player created costume stuff, and we've already seen how well Minecraft and Roblox has already done. You know, I think this is the future for more PGs, and whoever really embraces this first will win. Like. So many multi-billion-dollar genres came out of modding. Just you have to embrace it. That, that that's all there is to it. Like this is the only way forward on PCs. Indeed. All right. Well, enough of that. Uh, if you guys have your own thoughts on the subject, user-created content in MMOs, go leave a comment, and we may or may not discuss it next week. All right. We should take this to Bless because that's like the next. I mean, everyone's kind of high for Bless. We mentioned it earlier too. Mm-hmm. And I have a bit of a few things to discuss about Bless. We talked, I think, last week about the Founders Packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can safely say we did it Reddit because it looks like Bless did reduce the pricing of the Founders Packs. The most expensive Founders Pack went from 199 to 149, and they removed the premium customer support thing from the from the Bless packages, which is which I guess is a bit of a win. Did they release? Did they remove the extra copy you get or no? No, you know, you still get that. They, they just cool. they just lowered the price and they got rid of the premium customer support. So kind of listen to player feedback. They were kind of worried about like the negative publicity spiraling out of control. But I think I mean the game is start the game is early access begins May twenty eighth uh, for founders pack buyers and May thirtieth for everyone else. It's thirty bucks if you don't buy a founders pack. I think it's forty if you buy the founders pack. But uh, the biggest story this week about Bless is not really that. It's really there was a pretty good interview on mmorpages.com about the game's monetization, which I which I read earlier before the podcast came up. But that's it's worth discussing because there's they talk about how the what's gonna be what what exactly will be in the cash shop. I kinda wanna go over some of those highlights. Sure. See it. Let me link you the MRPG.com art first. You can see it over there. 
I think I think I think the funniest thing first is that when they talk about the game's uh, subscription, because for some reason I think they're they're allergic. To the the Neoways is allergic to the word subscription. I think it pulled very negatively. Like they did some consumer studies on like what words do well for the game, and the word subscription just was a no go. So Mobile.com asked them, "What can players expect every month from their premium subscription? Because you can pay for a premium subscription, it's like fifteen bucks a month, and you get some in-game goodies, right?" Uh-huh. The first thing Neoways says is, "Rather than calling it a premium subscription." We think that it would be more accurate to call it premium status. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? Of course it's a subscription. How can you call it premium status? You're paying monthly for it. It's like Department of, Department of Defense somewhere, all right? <laughs> Instead of Department of War. And, I, and it's not just that, that, that response there, because the, I've been following every, everything Blessed's posts on Steam as well. And they released a FAQ earlier talking about the game's uh, premium, uh, premium goodies, right? And the wording there really threw me off as well, because they, they talked about premium... I think a few weeks ago, and they said, "Let's be clear. This is not a premium. Pro- this is not a. This is not a subscription product." Wait, how is a premium? How is a how is a monthly subscription not a subscription product? The logic makes no sense. It's, no, it I think they just word the word subscription yeah, because yeah, that yeah. kind of pulls negatively. So the breast PR talk is actually it's really cringe because just denying that it's a subscription when it's literally a subscription isn't doing you any favors. It kind of makes you look really ridiculous. But beyond that, there's actually a few. Few positives and negatives about the game's monetization, and I guess we'll start with the positives first because um, I actually really like some of the, some of the decisions they've made. So there's a there's a, the premier currency in the game is called Lumena. It's pretty sure it's the same currency as the Russian version that we played, but there's also a currency you get in the game called activity points, right? So activity points basically you can get by doing I guess, some kind of dailies every day and just playing the game. You can earn activity points, right? Okay. You cannot buy activity points. They, they made it pretty clear. Lumena cannot be exchanged for activity points. Basically, everyone can accumulate activity points at the same rate. And you can't even boost your activity point gain. You just, that's the only way to get it is to play the game. And that's on equal terms with everyone. And activity points can be used to give you uh, some, like, you can use it for in-game like, enhancement buffs and other goodies, right? So maybe increase your enhancement chances. It has a useful purpose in-game. But what I also really like is that activity points can be exchanged for cash shop currency. can be exchanged for Lumena. Oh, so, so you, you can go one way, but you not the other. Back, it's, yeah. Yes, it's a one-way transaction where free-to-play users can accumulate activity points in-game and transfer it to cash shop currency to be used for cosmetics and other cash shop goodies. Like, I love that because thinking of MapleStory, for example, and most MMORPGs, there's almost no way to get premium currency. In, in, in MapleStory, it's impossible. You cannot get an X without paying an X on. Like, there's no way to do it. In Blade of the Soul and a few other games, there's an exchange rate between in-game currency and uh, NC coins, which is... Which, at least allows you a way to do it, but this seems to be like the fairest way because there's no pay-to-win mechanics in terms of buying currency because there's always a pay-to-win stigma when in the World of Warcraft that you can buy, you can sell WoW tokens so you can basically buy in-game gold for real-life money. You can do the same thing in Blade Soul, right? So this this system by itself, I think is actually really good. It's, it's well-designed in its intent. But yeah. uh, obviously, the there will be some weird pay-to-win, some other pay-to-win issues. They did emphasize there's going to be no pay-to-win elements. So... There's like the things you can buy with Cash Shop though. It looks like you can buy um, increased XP rates and convenience items like um, like teleporting around and uh, costumes, skins, and all those goodies. But one of the things that kind of there's one part of the only one aspect of the cash that they revealed is what kind of seemed a little bit pay to winny to me to a degree, especially considering like they really went out of their way to talk about we're not pay to win. There's no way we're pay to win, right? The one part of it that kind of threw me off is I'll tell you, guys, you know, Bless is an open world PvP game, right? So an opposing yep. faction. If they see you, they can just kill you, yep, right? Yep, I know what's coming. Go, go ahead. All right, so you can buy something called the Peace Declaration and Peace <laughs> Pledge. These items are only available through the cash shop, and they make it so other players can't attack you for 10 minutes. 
For 10 minutes, that's it? 10, 10 minutes, that's it. I, I thought it was going to be like a permanent thing, like an item you can buy once, and then like it's like a flag, you can flag yourself right. off. But, but I do want to clarify how this works, because before people start screaming at, at Neoways, there is one redeeming aspect of this, but it's still pretty bad. The redeem aspect is, until you get to max level, you can buy these items in the, from a vendor for in-game currency, right? So they're available for in-game currency until max level. But once you reach max level, you can only get in the cash shop. So you can kind of avoid getting griefed or attacked while leveling if you buy it in-game with in-game currency. However, it's only available in the cash shop once you reach max level, which is really bizarre. Because if you want to be this open world, if you, if you want to be this open world style like faction PvP game, like I guess old World of Warcraft was, it just seems bizarre that you can pay money. Like, oh shit, there's three guys gonna come in to gank me. Peace pledge! I use the cash app item, you can't attack me now for 10 minutes. What what the hell? That defeats okay. the purpose, doesn't it? So so it seems it is permanent, but it lasts for 10 minutes and then has a 10 minute cooldown. Yeah. Okay, so you don't have to keep I I I thought they were going super pay to win by making you buy like a consumable that you gotta keep chugging. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like some people just following you around, you know, like until it runs out, so you gotta keep buying. <laughs> <laughs> but, like that just seems so bizarre to me because like if you wanna really sell your game as like like the, the you gotta hand the blessed to a degree that they have actually tried to avoid a lot of the pay to win stuff on with these interviews what they talked about, right? But like why like so many of the things that they offer is really non-gameplay altering, which is I, to their credit, a lot of it is non-gameplay altering. But it just seems bizarre that they, they would let this one go. Like just don't have this in the game. It kind of defeats the purpose of uh like it's don't interfere with the gameplay with, with the cash shop stuff. Like this it just seems so unnecessary. And I don't think they're gonna make a lot of money off this either. Just, it, I think it will only give them negative goodwill. Like, yeah. There's a lot of ill will yeah, yeah, come yeah. out of this. It's got, it, it looks, the optics look so bad. You know, like, basically yeah. pay not to be griefed. You know, like, it just... Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm okay with them having a, a PvP game. Just don't have ways for people to pay to flag yeah. out of it then. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. You, if you want, can't exactly. have it both ways. Full PvP. Yeah. yeah, it just seems so silly. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It, it is really... Has any game done this before? This seems like a really odd decision, you know? One other thing which is kind of weird, I mean, I don't like this. And one other thing I don't like about the cash shop is they're going to be selling uh, reset scrolls, uh, reset skill scrolls, right? So if you do your skills wrong, you, the only way to reset your skills will be through cash shop. The only way, mm. which, is, which is kind of weird. Like, oh, look, you can make it so maybe you can buy, they, they can have that, but have some kind of way in game to reset it. Because if you're going to sell the cash shop, let players earn money in game. Maybe you can make the price very high if you want. Like, let players somehow be able to reset without the cash shop. Fortunately, again, you do have the activity point Lumena system where you can convert your activity points to Lumenas and do it that way. But just having this kind of, I think it hurts the spirit of saying your game isn't pay to win anyway. And I would have loved to see Bless come out with this interview and basically say, basically, we are putting all our cards on the table. You can look at the cash shop. It's very clearly zero pay to win because that's been their emphasis. They've been so greatly emphasizing that from the get-go. But there's a few things that kind of make you raise your eyebrows saying, do they really have to do this? And beyond that, there's also the extra tactic slots so if do you remember when we played blessed do you get you can like only equip so many skills right yep and like the number of skills you can equip became like kind of your resource yeah those are called your tactic slots so you uh, you can pay to have extra like say basically wait, wait, extra. But you can't oh you can't have like more than the default amount right but you can have like uh um, oh, more pages like, yeah pages especially pages of them oh, you, you, oh. you can always manually you scared, change me. Them out you scared me you scared me i thought you could yeah. literally buy more like slots in your in, the, in that part all right yeah. So yeah, you, you can have multiple saved uh, pages for your, your 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 skill slots, basically, or you can manually change them on your own. It's, it's that that one is not that big of a deal. No, that's not a big deal. That's like League with the rune pages. Exactly. It's yeah. basically rune pages in League, so it's not that big of a deal. But and Minty's makes a good point. And you can't convert your tokens for Lumena to reset your skills. And we talked about that. But it just seems like 
having this in here. There, there's only two things in this game so far in the cash app from this interview that really just kind of make, it's not, it's not so bad that I'm gonna say, oh, pay to win, don't play it, right? But they, th those two things kind of like make it. Why are they doing that? They're gonna get so much more negative, uh, like publicity and just bad image from saying that than just not having those two things there, or just let players get this in game as well with with in game currency. If they just did those two things, I think the cash up would look a lot better. Alternatively, they, if they if they're gonna do it the way they have it now, they should not be charging thirty bucks up front. You know, the way yeah, you're exa exactly. Everything you're describing to me, the the premium, you know, uh, the premium status, you know, slash subscription, and all this other stuff. It's you know, it's if you if you ask me to describe you know their uh, payment model, I'd say you know free to play. But they they're doing all this on top of a thirty dollar ask. So that that's the kind of where it gets wobbly for me. Mm -hmm. And there's one other good part about the, from this interview that I, that I actually really liked. Um, it's not really monetization related, but they talk about flying mounts. So if you just search flying, for example, you can see... You know, well, actually, keep the video playing for Bless. I'll explain it. Okay. But uh, flying mounts in the game are actually considered uh, special mounts you can obtain uh, for PvP. And the game is basically saying flying mounts are the most valuable mounts in Bless Online because they don't have the same mobility limitations that regular mounts do. They can be used strategically in specifically realm versus realm contents. Only a limited number of players will, will ever have high achievements that will be required to obtain these flying mounts. Therefore, flying mounts will not be sold in the cash shop. So flying mounts are actually, they're, they're, they're billing it as some kind of like actually super useful exclusive thing, which I actually really like. Basically, regular mounts, anyone can get, but flying mounts are going to be there for like the high achievers, like the top 1%, top tryhards, you know, the leaders of the guilds. And these can be game like impacting things where, you know, you get better view of the realm versus realm environment. It can actually, it can actually be a meaningful like uh, thing to actually have in the game. And I like that a lot because Flying mounts and mounts are basically given to everyone willy-nilly nowadays in the market. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have, to have this kind of content, some kind of exclusive content where it's really only there for the... It's aspirational content. It's not there for everyone, right? If they implement that well where you have to really work for it, I think it'd be really good for the game. Yeah. Because we talked about World of Warcraft, remember? With oh, the, yeah. Getting your mount in WoW and vanilla WoW was such a like an ordeal. Like you, Most people didn't have the gold required, the 100 gold required, to, to get their mount when they when they level 40. Let alone the epic training mount, the, the 600 gold one when you're like level 60. So if they can do that with, with Bless, I think it'd be actually a really good, good thing for the game. I do too. And I think, unfortunately, one of the uh, reasons why a lot of these games do cop out and kind of just give everything to everyone is mm -hmm. because there's so, many, there's so much competition. So like within months of Bless coming out, right, you're going to have Air start, you know, drumming up their yeah. closed beta, their, you know, open beta, their cash shop, etc. So now Bless doesn't have to compete with that. And then Two months later, you're gonna have another game coming out, you know, in the same kind of style. So I just think it's a lot of uh, it's an arms race, you know, to try to keep players by giving them, uh, you know, all this uh, convenient stuff. Uh, ben Sami, thank you for the seven months in a row subscription. Mucho love, fam. Thank you, sir. And actually, Zenixal said something I really liked. I, I do want to repeat that again. He said, um, "I guaranteed they're gonna be uh, coming fall 2018, flying mounts in the cash shop." After they said it won't be in the cash shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's what's funny? Stefan echoes the same statement. I agree. Fall? Why not summer? So, and everyone's basically saying, oh, I, I fully agree this is going to happen. Like, everyone's kind of, like, I feel like as players, we become kind of jaded as well. Because when a company says, like, oh, we're not going to do pay to win, right? Everyone kind of rolls their rolls their eyes to a degree. Because we, we remember when, when Blessed, when Black Desert literally said, oh, we won't have this item in our game because it's too pay to win. And mm -hmm. literally, like, a year and a half later, they add that exact same item, which they said they would never add because it's too pay to win. Yeah. And, okay, so, I don't want to... Veer off topic, and we, we can come back to Bless if it's related. But this mm -hmm. is kind of related, okay? And a lot of these companies will tell you they got to do all this stuff to make money, right? All this, you know, mm -hmm. the selling the piece item, uh, selling the premium, whatever. Mm -hmm. Selling non-cosmetic things, like their skill reset, right? But let's not forget that the top game in the world right now, Fortnite, 
actually has the best free-to-play model. There's literally it's all it's all cosmetics. There's no you don't buy extra slots, you don't buy extra gear, you don't buy anything. You just buy cosmetics. There's no loot boxes either. There's no RNG yeah. loot boxes. There all you go. You buy what you want. And and they're doing really well, so it clearly works. It's a, it's a different business. I know, I know. It's a, it's a different it's a different genre you too. You can't you can't get away. It's like it's I think it's, it's much it's a much tougher sell if like CS:GO started selling premium bullets where you do like well, one more damage. That's not true. Like, World of World of Tanks does it, and they make a ton of money. But you I think, can't you get those premium bullets like with in-game currency as well? Wait, well, I'm sure you can do the bullshit conversion crap, but a lot of games do that. But basically, there's premium bullets in World of Tanks, and they make tons of money. There, there's a sense of fairness, and I, I, I have to read more to these premium bullets. But there's like to see a game like Dota or League or CS:GO like selling you power. I think people would revolt much quicker than maybe paying for like faster XP games. Because well, like in, in, in Dota, 2, you could pay for XP gain on your compendium, right? It's not the same thing, but like yeah. you could pay for XP. Like people are more okay with these side things that are non-super gameplay altering. But I think people people would be up in arms if you did like. The pay to win stuff in mobile. Well, then I guess it's our fault as as MMORPG genre players to kind of yield. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying. We, so. we gave in. You know, the, the dam collapsed. Now it's flooding. You know, like <laughs> okay. Yeah, a lot yeah of, that's uh, fair. Yeah, because by the way, if if there is some player pushback, it can go all the way. Look at Crossfire in China, where you don't have the same, um, uh, you know, player uprising against pay to win. In Crossfire in China, you can just pay for premium guns and bullets all day long, and they're okay with it because in China they they let that slip, and now you can you can't put that genie back in the bottle. I do agree, though, for sure. The, the the player pushback can make an impact, as we've seen with uh, even Neowiz to a degree. They've, they've scaled back the $200 founders pack to 149 right? They've scaled back the premium customer support because players have you know basically said, this is bullshit. You can't like sell different tiers of customer support. Like You're going to be cutting in line in front of me, right? Stuff like that. So, yeah, I think we, we, we as players do have a responsibility to don't support the bullshit. I mean, if you play a game, too, like don't buy the bullshit. Like, if you really don't want to see pay to win in your games... Don't stop buying the pay to win stuff. Like the only way it works is if you buy into it, you know. But they're gonna. It's a, it's a prisoner's dilemma. Like, like you know, what I'm saying if you get the advantage, you're gonna do it. Yeah, I guess because yeah. if you do buy the pay to win, it becomes like such a. Yeah. I mean, if you play a game because it's fun, like they they, they sneak this pay to win stuff there, you might you might say some shit about it, but then buy it. Yeah, people so, are gonna uh, buy it. It, it, it's just rough. People people do need to speak up more. I don't know. It, 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 it's obviously it's obviously a tough one. Right, so I didn't I, see the Lumena prices yet. Means I do want to talk oh, yeah, I, quickly I, I, about uh, Fortnite again, but I'll let you finish on plus anything else. Uh, it's about the Lumena prices. I haven't yeah. seen them just yet, but I, I'm personally pretty much no matter what they sell the costumes for, it's not going to be a big deal for me because like, there's no if they sell like I know Blade and Soul sells very expensive, and a costume in Blade and Soul costs like up to thirty bucks, forty bucks for like one costume. I mean, to me, like that's not really offensive. I know Soul Worker was really expensive too. But to me, it's like if it's too expensive, like I'm just not going to buy it. But like, if somebody wants to buy a forty dollars costume, and it gives them no advantage in the game, that's fine. You know, it doesn't offend me in any way. I think they'd, they'd be smart to price it more reasonably. I think if you price it more reasonably, you can make more money. Because it's no, I think you're wrong. Costume. I think you're wrong. I think the term microtransactions missed on missed on misnomer. I think misnomer. the kind of, the people who are willing to pay, uh, they don't care if it's one. Don't don't charge one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar. Charge like twenty five bucks. That seems to be the sweet spot. Look at again Fortnite. Those skins are not cheap. You know? That's true. So I, I don't think you're right that if you charge less, you'll make more money. I think there's a certain percent of players, let's say 10%, who are willing to pay, right? And those 10%, to them, $1, $10, $20, $50 makes no difference. You know, if, if you get them, if you get them, 
in that mindset, the hooked mindset, they'll 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 buy your twenty five dollar items just as yeah, easily right. as they'll buy your ten dollar items. No, 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 no. You, you're right. I, I yield that to you. However, you have to you have to realize there's also a pretty large subset of players that will look at a price and be like, "This is twenty dollars," and they'll just never buy at that price. Or maybe they'll only buy a ten dollars. They'll only buy a five dollars. No, that, I, that, that, no, no, I don't think so. That player base exists. Uh, it's like one percent. It's like point one percent. It's like it's not the percent of people who will buy regardless of price. I feel it's higher than the ones who maybe. are price conscious. I, I'm, I consider myself pretty price conscious. I think the but you're a lost hope. They should not be aiming for you because they're not going to get money from you. But there are people I know they'll they'll spend like a hundred bucks on a game and they'll play for like a week and then quit and move on to something else and then, and then spend a hundred on that too. But that, there'll be people like me who will pay play a game for years and not spend a dime, like you know, like Dota, right? So why yeah, would why true. should they target you and me? Which by trying to like you know like okay, let's charge five cents instead of you know ten dollars and then maybe they'll maybe they'll you know maybe they'll buy a little bit. No, just go for the guy who's going to go pop down fifty bucks. Uh, uh, it was like, as a whale, I can agree that it'd be cheaper. I would buy them more on impulse. It's hard to be impulsive with forty to fifty dollars. Yeah, I think that's a degree. That, that's right. definitely worth mentioning as well. But, I mean, there are people out there that will just buy it outright. I mean, I do see that there are people that will buy it at any price. But even people that regularly spend money, they have to. We, we gotta get chew on here. We, 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 we gotta get her perspective on this because I know she spent uh, good money on mobile games back in the day. So maybe we'll get her opinion on that. But I do know people that that, that don't have like a lot of disposable income, but they spend like twenty five dollars on every single like costume in. in in Fortnite, for example, that spend beyond like what they should. Oh yeah, I, I, like I said, I think Fortnite is a good example. I know everyone I know is playing spent has bought multiple twenty five dollars skins, and I don't think if it was five dollars they would have bought more. You know, I think they just buy the ones they like, and that's it. Ten dollars or twenty five or one dollar doesn't make a difference. Now, personally, for me, if I see a three or five dollar skin and I like, I think I'll buy it in a heartbeat. But the problem is, nothing is priced like that. Everything is priced so expensive. You know, like. I, I, when I played Fortnite, I'm like, I know, this looks pretty cool. I want, I want to buy this skin. $25? Fuck no. It just, I, I, if it was like $5, I could do it. I could swallow it. You know, I just can't do it with $25. I had to think about it. $25 is not for a real game. There's this thing in psychology. I, I don't know for terms and stuff, but like, if you're selling like a premium product, at some point, you, you actually don't want it too close in price to like the mid tier price. So like, if there's like a $49 plate, right? And your plate's like 10% better, you don't want to charge 60 bucks for it. You want to charge like 120 because now it's viewed as like, oh, wow, you're paying 10, that extra 10% improvement must be so valuable and so rare that it's worth it. So you, you don't want to be too close to the shit tier. Point. What's I'd that? rather have a high price for my costumes and etc. so people don't look the same. There's more exclusivity. To exactly. That's why you're, you're paying for the luxury of a cosmetic, mm-hmm. right? So you don't want it to be $1 because that's not luxury then. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's a better way of phrasing it. Uh, you you kind of want to show off and you can't. Nobody wants to show off a one dollar item. It just means you went through the trouble of p- taking out your credit card, punching in the numbers. You know, like. But, 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 <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's here's where I, I think we, we fundamentally disagree, and I think the lower price can actually boost sales, is because they're not mutually exclusive. You know, why don't you why don't you have like a hundred dollar skin, a twenty five dollar skin, and a two dollar skin, and they give you all different. You know, too. Let the cheapos buy the two dollar skins. That's let the, okay. Let the guys that want to be badass buy the hundred dollar skins. That, and, uh, that I, can, I can agree with the kind of like uh, get people used to it. You know, get hook come, hook somebody for a dollar and then and then hope they progress to the more expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. I can I can I can yeah <laughs> yeah. The, the sneakers are a good uh, market to study. It's very interesting. People pay like hundreds of dollars, like five hundred bucks for sneakers, and they're not better than the hundred dollar sneakers. You know, or you know, fifty dollar sneakers. Actually, I think the markup that Zenexal pointed out was actually not too far off. I think those old Yeezys, those old like red ones, it's some of the original ones are worth thousands of dollars. Like they were like they, they retail for like maybe a hundred bucks or something, but they go for like over five grand. Some of the original ones is insane. Makes no kind of sense to me, but I mean, it, people do it. 
Yeah, I definitely think the term microtransaction is very misleading. I think we are entering the world of macrotransactions today. I'm, I'm going to find out. I'm, I'm going to show you a Yeezy, bro. All right, show me some Yeezys. I want to show you something. I knew a guy who uh, was in hardcore into this whole sneaker world. Actually, he's a, he's a sub to us, right, Cola? He's super into this sneaker. He makes money off it. He has all these programs and scripts to, like, see when they're in stock and auto-purchase them, and then, he, and then he hawks them on. Uh, so this is a new in box, brand new Yeezy. This 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 is a completed listing on eBay, meaning this one already sold. This is a sold listing. So this is not even like one that's for sale. There's somebody already bought this one. And they paid ten thousand dollars for it. What? Link me. I linked it to you on on uh, on, on Discord. I look at it here too on, on Twitch. I'm just curious. Oh, you keep so you sometimes you PMing me. Sometimes you're sending in the channel. All right, let's see this. We're like normal transactions and macro transactions exactly. After these look so ugly. They look so extra. Like I don't know people like them. It, like, look, it looks like a licorice. Really flashy. It looks like licorice shoes. But ten thousand dollars, is that? That's still so insane to me. It's my size, size ten. And here's a, here's an older one. This one, uh, this is a more newer one, I think. This one sold for five thousand one hundred dollars. It's a Yeezy Boost three hundred and fifty blue tint, whatever that is. But blue I, tint. I just couldn't. I could never imagine spending this much money on on sneakers. What yeah. I don't understand is why isn't like Nike, whoever makes these Yeezys, I don't think it's Adidas, whoever makes, I don't know who makes them. Why don't they just sell them on eBay? It seems so silly that they're selling these for a retail price of $100. It is like you can just resell them for so much more. Ugly ass shoes. Yo, Mr. Faster. Tell it to the guys paying ten grand for them. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get this. This is like, um, I don't know, some kind of planned... I, I think it's like a social experiment by Nike. To like see what they can get away with. He says I'd be too scared to actually wear them. Same. If I, see some, I, I, I can just imagine like, somebody jumping on me and pulling them off my feet if they're worth like ten grand. It's, this it's this is like the Rolex for the ghetto people, you know. Like, you can't wear like a nice suit people. down down the street, you know. You gotta you gotta wear this instead if you want to show you off. Wear the easiest. You can't wear like an Armani casual, suit and walk down the ghetto. Casual racism, right there. You're trying to say uh, black people. I, I didn't say I said ghetto. I didn't say black. You are a racist, I, sir. I think I think ghetto is one of those code well, words. Oh, but I was not. Hold. I was not thinking that, but you were. So hold on. Hold I really on, was on. not. When Fox News says like thug, I'm not Fox News. You know what they mean, right? You know what they mean. You don't know about black people when they say thug, right? The code is er, like, uh, the code is word for that too. I forgot what it's called. Oh, it's like cat, dog call, whistling, dog whistling, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something, something like that. Some whistling. There's a term for that, but yeah, 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 something like that. <laughs> All right, back, 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 back to MRPGs, boys. Uh, is there what is the most expensive cash shop item in an MRPG? You think that would be a fun article to write up? Like the most expensive. Cash, we did write an article about the most expensive digital items, I think, and there was a golden Roshan courier for Dota two. It's worth over thirty thousand US dollars. Oh but that's like God. it was a rare event item. That's why, right? There's only so many in existence. But I'm curious, like, if you look at the if you look at the cash app for a game, like what is the most expensive item you can find today? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Before moving on, uh, someone linked me something hilarious. I think it was his. Okay, so mm -hmm. you can buy this clay brick that says Supreme on it. Okay, it's a clay brick <laughs> for 120 dollars. No. And if you wait, think, wait, wait, wait. link me this. I want to see this. I'm, I'm clicking on this. I'm clicking on this. Break to. This guy has nothing special about this. No, it is a buy and sell for this brick. This is like a. This is a stock market, baby. You can trade bricks. <laughs> what? What is a Supreme brick? So, so Supreme is this new hipster company that sells overpriced everything. If you scroll no. down, yeah, they have they have a hat that says Supreme on it. A baseball hat, eighty-five bucks. Uh, Eighty-eight dollar gloves say Supreme. Okay, if you guys think that's absurd, I got I got another one for you. More ready? 
I just linked it. Let's go. Let's see. So this is a DHL. It's a shirt that says DHL. It's a. It's basically the UPS or FedEx of, of Europe of, of uh, Germany specifically. So you can buy or uh, their iconic. Uh, I guess the shirt their delivery people wear. Uh, but it co- it'll cost you two hundred euros or, or pounds. I don't know what this is. It's on sale. It's only a hundred pounds right now. <laughs> what a deal, boys! What a deal. Yeah. Have you seen uh this kind of? Yeah, we're getting slightly off topic, but did you see the the Kanye West uh, T-shirt that was for sale a couple years ago? Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. It's basically a plain T-shirt, just a white T-shirt, right? Literally, just a plain white T-shirt, all right. And I'm trying to see if we can find the picture for it. Um, is it is Kanye Yeezy? Is that where the name comes from? Uh, I don't know. I guess. I'll um, say yes. Somebody, somebody, somebody in, 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 on Twitch can tell us. But they, they called it a hip hop T-shirt. I know this could be a. This is from Google Images, right? But this was the original page for selling this. I remember this from uh, I, a couple years ago. They called it the hip-hop t-shirt. And it's just a plain white t-shirt and it costs $120. It's literally just a white t-shirt. How on earth do you sell? There's no there's no logo on it. There's no brand. It's just a white t-shirt. And they call it the hip-hop t-shirt. Uh, Gary, Gary the Giraffe. You know a guy who sold a game coat and PUBG for $150? Omar, it's a great time to uh, summarize oh. your experience oh, with. Uh, Gary the Giraffe. I actually bought... Uh, quite a few PUBG trench coats. I had seven at one point, and I also bought uh, the PUBG bandana, and I sold them for quite a bit. So I bought my let me show my bandana first. That that that's the one I sold for the most. The player known as bandana. I bought this bad boy. See if we can find. Okay, here's my here's my. I'll put a Giazzo picture of this bad boy. I paid forty one dollars for this uh this bandana in player unknown battleground in Twitch chat. And I'll tell you what I sold it for recently. Here you go. This is my this is the that this that same bandana. Look at look at my selling price. So I bought it for forty one dollars and eighty cents, and I sold it for seven hundred and three dollars. That one <laughs> bandana in wow. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That is insane. Somebody paid seven hundred three U.S. dollars for a bandana in PUBG. That is that is blows my mind. But I bought um all the, all my trench coats I bought for like a hundred dollars or less. And I sold them all for uh, three hundred fifty, four hundred dollars each. So, okay, so it, it, pretty nuts. To tie all this back into MMOs, guys, I have some bad news. All right, I'm th- I'm gonna be the cynic here. These microtransactions and cash shops, it's gonna get a lot worse from here on forward, because the real world, the real world has shown that there is no end to human madness. So people are going to be spending a thousand bucks on a, a on a on a hip version of the level one gear. So imagine like the wooden shield. But it's going to say like, you know, like I'm a pro on it or like a noob. It's going to say noob on it, right? And you can buy it for like a thousand bucks and you can walk around with it ironically, like act like a noob in, <laughs> in like Final Fantasy or whatever. I still find it bizarre that like with what we've seen with that Supreme Brick, with that rapper t-shirt and like with the amount of money we've seen pay for those shoes, even this PUBG uh, bandana, people are willing to pay crazy amounts of money. So yep. what I actually find pretty surprising is why aren't costumes even more money? Like why? Oh, can't- they will be. But why doesn't Blade of Soul sell like some costume for two thousand dollars? They will. Why doesn't Final Fantasy fourteen sell a costume or some cosmetic or, or some some handbag in the game or a special hat for three thousand dollars? Or even all these bless like. But I think if these companies didn't do any pay to win stuff, no XP boost, nothing even remotely pay to win, and they only had cosmetics and they priced them with different tiers where they go up to thousands of dollars, they could make so much more money selling purely overpriced cosmetics than they could making selling any pay to win stuff. I think you'll make more money selling. Uh, luxury bullshit products in these games, $3,000 hats, $5,000 shoes, 
in in Bless or World of Warcraft, and then you won't have to do any pay to win. Pay to win wouldn't even make sense then, because I don't think people would pay like three thousand dollars for a sword that's like plus ten more damage. I don't think people would pay that much money for this OP sword, but they'll pay that much for an OP cosmetic. Yeah, uh, I I I think well, what you said, to answer your question, I think they, all this will happen in the future, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if we're going to get collaborations. You know how um, Louis Vuitton did that collaboration with uh, Final Fantasy, I believe, 12? They had Lightning no, not, in not, it? Not, not 12. 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13, 13. Okay, yeah, 13. Do you think mm-hmm. it'll ever go the other way where you can buy like a Louis Vuitton bag in Final Fantasy 14, but it costs yeah, we like... Talked about this, yeah, we talked about this in a post-game before, 100%. Like, that'd be an amazing collaboration because imagine just buying a, a bag... And things like... Real talk. The end game of any MMORPG is fashion. Whether it's Guild Wars 2, whether it's World of Warcraft, whether it's Final Fantasy 14, people play for the fashion and they go out of their way. They, they do these dungeons over hundreds of times just to get that one rare drop for their to finish their costume. It, okay. It's such a big part of the well, game that I think people would spend maybe like $800 on a, okay. on like a special purse. As someone who's admitting all this, LV. right? It surprises yeah. me that you still hold the position that real world 3,000 bags are stupid. Yes, I do. Oh, hold on. Yeah, I do hold that position. If you spend $3,000, like $5,000 on a handbag, it's uh, it's pretty stupid. So if you spend... Okay, hold, hold, hold. okay, so if you spend $3,000 in, in, a, in a game, okay, that's you're also stupid. That's also stupid, yes. Okay, okay, as long as you're honest. Okay, yeah, I, okay listen, if you, as long as you're I, I honestly believe if you spend... Look, I, I think it's a bad decision. No, no, However, no, no, no. You said you, you said you were stupid. That's what you said. Oh, no, here we go. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify it. I'm gonna qualify. It. Uh, yeah, that's right. It can't be stupid because I'm kind of like that, that, that's kind of a gut reaction, and I agree. I think we all make gut reactions that, when you think about it, aren't necessarily true. Okay, and here's 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 the preface I need to put that with that. If you can't afford it, okay, if you can afford, if 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 you if you're a millionaire and you buy a wrapper T-shirt, a plain white T-shirt for hundred thirty dollars, there's nothing wrong with it. You're not necessarily stupid. If you buy a five thousand dollar bag, if you're a multimillionaire, you're not stupid. Okay, the problem is if you buy these items. And you're not a millionaire. Or you don't. You don't have the disposable income for it. And then you're stupid. Sure. That's my preface. That's my sure. preface. Okay. That's fair enough. Well, I mean, I would. I mean, I never disputed that. Uh, same. Th- yeah. If you're buying luxury goods in the real world, you know, you should have the financial means to, where it mm-hmm. doesn't hurt you to do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't buy any clothing if they exceeded fifty dollars. Uh, the Lonesome Gamer. I- I'm with you on that as well. I-, I don't spend much money on on real life clothes or virtual clothes. No, I think fifty dollars is too low a bar. Like a good pair of shoes. Uh, I, I will spend $100 on a good pair of shoes, but it will last me years. Like, it'll last me longer than, like, you know, two pairs of $50 shoes, I feel. Maybe. Who knows? So, I, my cutoff or, is, or, like... Or, or, or you go for the 3 IQ play. Instead of buying $100 pair of shoes, you buy 10 $10 pairs of shoes. It'll last but, you longer, nah, right? then you're, it's not going to be comfortable. Ten, there's yeah, no way yeah. a $10 shoe is going to be comfortable, unless it's, like, from China, and it's, like, a good, like, knockoff. Eh, you, you get a $10 shoe from Walmart, or, like, a $15 shoe. Who knows? It might, it might be more comfortable. I don't think so. Perhaps. All right, back to back to back to bless. Let me see if there's anything else on bless over there. But yeah, the game's coming out on the 28th. Uh, I thought the pretty enlightening um, interview on MMORPGs.com. The uh, I'm I'm oh. looking forward to playing. I do. I think every MMORPG though should have that kind of system where you can you can get cash up currency in game by doing dailies or just this guy. I think it'd be it's just like the best kind of cash up reward because like every game has events and they really give good rewards. If you can ever get cash up rewards from an event, it's it's a good event. That's kind of like my bar for like an event that's actually good. It just, it just, and they don't think you that like that regularly, but just being able to get cash up stuff without spending money in some small way, I think it'd be a net positive for the game because it kind of keeps players invested and keep playing. Yeah. I, I think every game should have the system that like, uh, 
Neverwinter or all the cryptic games have where there's an easy conversion or LBN online between sure, yeah. the premium and non-premium currency. So you can always see the rate. Of, you can kind of see the rate because just seeing that train, yeah, yeah, just seeing that uh, exchange rate well, gives you a lot of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I like that. All right, I do. Okay, I want to quickly go to Fortnite for a second uh, right. to prove that I was wrong. Okay, so I think you'll you guys will enjoy this. I've been harping against esports uh, for a while now, and I thought this would be the year it kind of peaks and it kind of peters out because it's not really viable. But I was wrong. Uh, so just this week, Epic, uh, which owns Fortnite, announced they are going to spend a hundred million dollars on prize pools for Fortnite this year. That, that is a huge amount. That this alone will make it will guarantee that uh, you know, esports grows this year. So that so I'm definitely wrong. And to show mm. to put this in context, um, so 100 million is the lifetime payout from Dota 2, which is the number one esports for payouts. Okay, the lifetime prize pool payout of all tournaments for Dota 2, including by Valve and non-Valve tournaments, is like 150 million. So in one year, they're almost you know they they uh, almost caught up. Number th- two, uh, number three, I believe, is uh, League or Overwatch uh, or Counter Strike, but uh, this already surpassed them. So this is already number two now in lifetime esports payout. Pretty impressive in one year. And it's yeah. it's such a popular game, and now they mention Fortnite. We got to mention all the you know how many uh, players Fortnite has. They released an interesting statistic. I know, no, it's forty million. Yeah, forty million monthly active players. So now we can finally get an apples to apples comparison between Fortnite and League of Legends and all the popular games. Because now we have these official data directly from the company. So put that number into context. League of Legends has about hundred million monthly active users. So Fortnite is about halfway as popular as League right now. Keep in mind though, Fortnite is like a year old or less than a year old. Yeah. Whereas League's been out for like ten years. So and in, more in importantly, one year, yeah. More importantly, mobile. No, no, not just that. China. Fortnite yeah, is not out China. Yeah. yeah. When when Fortnite launches in China. If it catches off, catches on, right? That's an that's that's, that's fifty million players right there. I think so. It'll pass yeah. league if it, if, it, if it hits in China. And then there's not counting mobile users either. This is just PC and console. So, yeah. And and put, now other big games in context. Uh, CS:GO gets about eleven million monthly active players. Dota two gets about ten million monthly active players. So Fortnite is already so much bigger than all these other games. Yep. It's like the second biggest, second or third biggest PC game probably behind uh, League of Legends in terms of players. Indeed. So yeah, esports is still a thing, guys. It's still growing. I I was once again premature in my calling esports as a as a fad or not viable. Well, now that we talk about what you're wrong about, I think we should talk about what you are right about. Because this okay. week, uh, just yesterday, actually, Tencent announced that they acquired a majority stake in Grinding Gear Games. And I think you made this prediction like a few podcast, like like a year ago or so. You said yep. this, this exact thing would happen, and it happened. Oh yeah, I, I think it was a screaming buy. There are so few. Uh, large games today that are independent and that's and you saw them all being bought up by chinese companies so you got you know digital extremes with warframe uh jagex with runescape these were all gobbled up by chinese companies because they saw the value there's so many people playing these games and and these aren't part of like a huge company that that's too big to be bought out like blizzard you know so they got gobbled up and you know grinding gear games is in new zealand it's a relatively small studio though not too small and i'll get to that why that's important Uh, so yeah they got gobbled up by tencent and Tencent owns 80% now, which is a you know large controlling stake. And mm-hmm. I actually have a little chart here from the New Zealand government homepage. It shows you this, uh, the share ownership here. So this chunk right here, 80%, is Tencent. And there are three other guys who own a decent chunk. So I guess the founder, who is Christopher Wilson, owns 13% still. And two other... Very, like, Western name. 
well, New Zealand is pretty mm-hmm. is pretty white. Uh, and two other guys own three about three point four percent each. So Tencent is definitely the head honcho. And this this news has actually been met by some uh, a lot a, a big backlash from the community. Actually, I don't know why. I, so I I found a subreddit. And I, I love it. I, I read these comments because I find them hilarious. People were bitching about the stupidest stuff. So first of all, you had a lot of people saying it's a sellout. You know, they're selling out. The game's going to go pay to win now. It's going to go shit. And these people, some of them are like, wait a minute. Don't you know that Tencent owns League of Legends? And they didn't do anything bad with League of Legends, right? They're kind of a hands-off uh, stu- you know, owner, Tencent. And a few other guys said something along the lines of, I'm not going to buy any more packs now because I was supporting an independent company when I bought those uh, found, you know, set. I, I was doing it because I was supporting independent gaming or whatever. And then, uh, so someone linked him to the article announcing this uh, purchase. And Grinding Gear Games had over 100 employees. They're not a small independent studio, you know? <laughs> you got 100 yeah, people working, full-time employees. You know, that is not a... Yeah. To put that in context, guys, Valve has about 360 full-time employees. So this company is about a third the size of Valve in terms of headcount. So this is not a you know this this is not two guys coding in a basement that you know they need every dollar you got for, out of charity. Okay, so a lot of a lot of subtle xenophobia going on in the, in the subreddit for uh, Path of Exile. I do agree uh, with Illumax. I mean, Tencent, despite being so big, they're, they're actually pretty good at handling their their invest. They're very hands off, and they've always been pretty hands off with every company they've they've purchased. They own they own forty percent of Epic Games, but they're not like. They they just they make investments in good companies that they like and they just leave them alone. Because I think they've realized what makes uh, what makes Path of Exile such a great game are the people that work there, are their founders, their vision. That that's what works. That work for League of Legends, that work for Epic Games. Like you leave them alone. The moment you try shoving like your strategy into their games, it obviously is not going to work. And and that's why they've been so successful. They they've been very good at hands off approaches. And I don't think it's going to change with Path of Exile. And I do think we kind of uh, glorify this idea of oh it's an indie studio we got to give them money. Like I don't know. Ultimately, it's a product that matters. I don't really care. It's in the studio, you know. Like it was a good game, and I'll support them. Well, and well, I think if you do have that mentality, you want to help it get off the ground floor. I can I can see that if it's a small company. Like when I say small, I mean like basically no official office yet. It's just some guys, you know, in their house, right? They they kind of they're kind of bootstrapping it, you know. But if you mm-hmm. if you've been in business for you know a decade, and every year is growth after growth, you have a hundred people working for you. You have office building. You know, you in this huge office building. Come on, like you can still. I don't know. I, you you shouldn't be buying their products out of charity at that point, you know. Like, yeah, there there are people who could use that, you know, artists, you know, perhaps that you really like and you want to just you know well, help buy their art. shows. There are games made by one person, yeah, yeah, yeah. that are actually indie. You know, that that's a small studio. That's an indie studio. Yeah, you know. But all that said, so there's a lot of fun comments in the subreddit here. One guy says like, "I'm a conscious consumer. I will not, you know, I will not support Tencent. They're a Chinese like you know conglomerate trying to take over like the world." And then I just linked. I made a comment like, "You realize." uh Tencent owns forty percent of Epic Games, and Epic Games makes the Unreal Engine. So basically, every game, almost every game you're playing, you know, Tencent's getting money out of it. So you know, <laughs> stop playing video games. I yeah, guess, you got to basically stop playing games if you, if you don't want to give uh, Tencent money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a very silly way to look at things. I believe, but it's their money; they can do whatever they want with it. Obviously, but that's not the way I would. I would. Have. Uh, we got a we got a Tencent hater in the chat. I mean, is an exile, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they want to splash their money around, I think it's a good... Um, think of it this way. The guys who founded uh, Granite Gear Games, uh, you know, they mm-hmm. brought a great game to the world, right? And, you know, I think they deserve that fat paycheck at the end of, you know, 10 years, 10 plus years of uh, working on the game. And, by the way, they're still going to be working on the game. They said this won't change anything. They're going to continue, you know, updating it, etc. 
And they said they're actually hiring more employees to work on the game. They're, they're increasing their size to like 110, 130 or something. So yeah, they're gonna be using the money to next, yeah, exactly. to hire, yeah, to grow the game. Uh, so I think it's a win-win. You know, mm-hmm. I think so as well. It might change in the future, but right now, generally, Tencent has done a pretty good job with uh, their game studio. And with that, I want to take it to uh, maybe one last thing real quick before we get to the post game. But uh, back to uh, GDPR. Remember, remember that discussion I'll tell you about the general data protection in Europe that we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah, I remember. So there was a comment on Immos.com about uh, Ragnarok Online's GDPR, and actually they they approached it a little bit differently than I thought. So I'm going to link you um, a comment somebody made. Maybe we can just look at that on stream. Sure. But uh, essentially, what this guy is complaining about is that he's he has essentially played Ragnarok Online for 16 years. Right? Wow. It's an old game, and now he's pissed off because the new GDPR law didn't just make them block uh, EU IPs, they literally banned everyone that ever registered the game from Europe. Your account is banned now. So it's like you, you could just leave Europe and keep playing Ragnarok Online. If you ever, if you register from Europe, you, you can no longer play on international Ragnarok Online. So he's mega pissed off. So there's no way to save his character or anything? Nope. Nope. He says, you know, despite playing, there's no way for me to transfer to another character or anything. And this move actually destroyed uh, like some of the ma- like some of the major guilds they were European led on, on on international Ragnarok Online. Like these are players who can never log in again after that, you know? Wow. Can you imagine that? Is he hey, where's uh where's the Guildmaster? Oh, he lives in Germany. Yes, so? Oh, he can't play anymore. <laughs> he's banned. Is there no VPN? He's, he's got banned. Why is he banned? banned? He's German. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like that's such a it's such a bad thing. I think at the end of the he complained, you know, he basically said at the end, this is a very bad company to be supporting right now. But I think he, he kinda of took a misguided approach. I don't think it's necessarily um gravity's fault in this case. You know, it's. I think the rules are very onerous, and they couldn't afford to like take a risk. Plus, they already had uh, the game licensed to a company in Europe, so you can still play Ragnarok Online in Europe. You, you just have to play it through um, European Ragnarok. It's a separate server, right? And they licensed it for Gravity. So it was. I guess Gravity just figured, fuck, we don't want to deal with this bullshit. It costs too much money to implement, so we're just gonna ban all these accounts and let those guys play on the the European version. You know, but it's still kind of sad. I think that, you can't um, blame Gravity. You know why? Why? Because what they could have done is announce it ahead of time and then give people a way to transfer their servers and characters to the other service. But you can't. It's it's I mean you can't. Why? It's not the same company even. It's So? Being, it, it licenses it from uh, But don't you think the other company would be happy to get free users? No, 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 are you kidding? The the yeah 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 they 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 could yeah, they, 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 they so could they could If War Portal is giving up on these players, right? They they no longer are interested in monetizing them or dealing yeah. with it. So why didn't they allow character and even even if the databases, or even if the, like the versions are not the same, they could have literally cr- manually created new characters with the same you know stats, and then just yeah. literally the same names and just transfer them over. Uh, you you give me too much credit to uh, War Portal's resources. You know how much money? I think Ragnarok makes a lot of money in uh. In the well, Western first of all, how, right, let's say they announced six months ahead of time. How many people? And you got to sign up to, and you, you got to give your account name, which characters you want to transfer. How many people yeah. would have even bothered? I, obviously, it was a small player base, or else they wouldn't have done this. Come on, like they could have, they could have. Done, a lot of services no, do that. They, they, they did do a refund, I think, for everyone. Anyone that spent money, they got refund. So they, they did get that. I think they yeah, got transferred I mean, the characters. Sure, maybe the database isn't. I don't care how they. I'm, I'm just literally saying, give, give a period of three months where anybody can, uh, where anybody can literally send in their account name and their character, and and then somebody can literally just go in and create a new, and then you know, with the help of the other company, they can just yeah, literally powers, copy just over with GM powers. Yeah, they got all the characters and and items. Uh-huh. And, yeah, you're right. There's different it, it, it items. Could have been, it could have been done manually. Yes, been. there's different items. Just don't give the don't give the items that don't exist in the, uh, the, the, the you know the version that's still running. I think it would have been a good. Um, uh, it would it would at least shown um, goodwill. 
You know, and instead of saying, you know, what, f this, fuck, f you guys, we're done. You know, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the, the people saying that the game server probably dropped from eight hundred to two hundred overnight on the day of the announcement, it has, and hasn't recovered since. So I think a lot of Europeans were playing on uh, on the American servers. Wow, pretty crazy. So that, there's one negative effect of GDPR uh, on Ragnarok Online so far. Yeah, indeed, and I, I, like we said last week, a few games that shut down, including Loadout and uh, Super Monday Night combat but actually i was actually surprised that there was so few shutdowns because remember it came into effect tomorrow it comes into effect tomorrow and we've i've actually been surprised by how little because there's a lot of bad games there's a lot of small games out there that i thought would shut down because of this so hasn't mm-hmm. been a big as big impact as i thought it would be yeah, we'll, we'll learn anything anything else happens soon I think the rules go into effect uh, soon, right? Or have they already gone into effect? Tomorrow. I keep getting emails about it still. So. Yeah. If you guys have, I, I think I mentioned this. If you guys are getting lots of emails this week uh, by all these companies you signed up for like years ago, like eBay, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft, from like Everything Yahoo. Is, yeah. yeah. Basically, every anything you ever made an account for is like, we've, uh, we've, we've like changed our you know user agreement, like our privacy agreement. Please click here to like re- you know, review it. That's all because of this. <laughs> Makes sense. NT. Anything else? Anything else? Oh, well, we we did that. There's one one big thing about um, the third close beta for Lost Ark is starting tomorrow. Well, May 23rd, so probably very soon because it's Korean time, which is, which I guess is some good news. You know, we're finally getting some released information for Lost Ark. It's just a, it's a close beta still. It'll be their final close beta apparently. So that game is making progress. I think we we're all hyped for it when it was first announced in 2015. I think or yeah, I think 2015. So it's been like three years. Oh yeah, since it's it was been a while for that one. So the hype is kind of dying down. Now, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say that we're going to get an open beta by the end of the year in South Korea. That's my guess. And then we'll start hearing about a Western release sometime in 2019. So I think late 2019, early 2020 is my prediction for when Lost Ark comes out. Thoughts? Say it again? 2018? I think, I, think, I think we're going to get a Korean open beta sometime in late 2018. And then we're going to start hearing about a Western release date in late 2019. And it'll probably launch by early 2020. Sure. That's uh, my uh, guess. 2020 is fine. I can, I can agree with early 2020 for mm-hmm. English. Uh, speaking of launches, um, Black Desert Mobile will come out in uh, the US and Europe. And not, not until Q1 of 2019. So not this yeah, year. It's- yeah, so it's a while. Yeah, we got to wait for a bit, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I mean, that's really the... We have, we have, we have all the big topics. Uh, I mean, there's something I'm intimately familiar with in my, my backyard of Final Fantasy 14. They just launched a pretty big patch. Uh not too much going on for me to be interested in. Let me think. Anything too exciting over there? Just going to be releasing... Uh, there's a new 24-man raid. 24-man dungeon, which is like... Uh, it's a really weird system. We talked about it in a previous podcast. It's, I, I always call it the welfare patch. Because basically, um, like sometime after all the new raids come, like new raids come out, they release a 24-man dungeon. And if you, once you complete a 24-man dungeon, you basically get like welfare loot. Where like it, it, it gets you some best-in-slot stuff just from doing the easy mode content. Nice. Like it, it's a way to get the best in slot gear without actually doing a hard cut. So, and the funny thing is, at the end of the, at the end of that twenty-four man dungeon, you literally get a coin. So it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a literally the welfare office because you get your coin. You know, you, you you're only doing it for the coin, all right? You, you, you're, doing, you're doing the grind for the for that for that coin to get your welfare gear. That's pretty funny. Uh, this isn't really MMO news, but if you open your battle launcher, guys, you will see a new game on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Call of Duty is launching on Battle.net instead of on Steam. And it will not have a single-player campaign. It's going to be the first Call of Duty with that one. And I, I don't know. I feel like the 
this is another death blow to the whole single player campaign in games. I remember when we were growing up, basically every game, even multiplayer heavy games, like whether it's Halo, GoldenEye 007 for N64, they always had those, even even uh, RTS games had these you know nice full feature campaigns. And that's a that's just a dying genre. Like uh, Overwatch, for example, uh, has no has no campaign. But they have the co-op missions. I mean, we played we played a couple. Yeah, of games. Right, they have Some one. They have hard- one co-op mission. Yeah, and also Overwatch is not a full price game. You know, it wasn't a sixty dollars title. I think it launched was like thirty or forty. It was forty, I think. Yeah, it's forty. So it wasn't. It was sixty dollars on console, forty dollars on PC. Yeah, yeah. Plus, that was full price then. And this, the difference, I guess, is just to cut that. Uh, the Sony or Xbox get that um, they don't have to give on if they sell it on PC. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, oh, I don't think anyone. Can... Hmm? Let me ask what game we were talking about before the Gravity Rider combo. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time to move on to the post game. Yeah, then we covered most of the most of the topics this week on on the actual podcast. We'll see what else we got for the post game. Thanks for watching, everyone. Though. And as always, Fridays and Tuesdays, 4 p.m. PST. If you're listening to us on iTunes or elsewhere, leave us that quality five-star review. Not sure what it does, but who knows? Might do something. But thanks for watching for uh, YouTube. All right. And listeners. See ya. Later for YouTube.